This episode is brought to you by Kanye West and his inspirational quote, I look like Tom Cruise on Vanilla Sky. It was televised. It's been an accident like Geico. They thought I was burned up like Pepsi did Michael. Welcome to the Stefan Dyer Podcast, my people. Hello, my people. This episode is incredible. A long-time friend, incredible athlete, high-performance athlete, and an even better human being. My guest today is Carlos Salas, my friends. He is a Venezuelan fitness trainer, calisthenics coach, and entrepreneur based in Toronto, Canada. Over the last eight years, he's had the opportunity to train with some of the most recognized calisthenics athletes in the world. No joke. He's facilitated grassroots workshops and run group classes in Toronto's top fitness studios. This guy is a machine, okay? He is also the founder of Calisthenics Canada, the national federation that enables calisthenics growth across the country. He founded it. He also runs his online personal training business, Train Harder, H-R-D-R, which helps people get in the best shape of their lives through motivation, accountability, and customized fitness plans in line with people's goals. Super important. Since quitting his graphic design full-time job in 2015 to pursue his entrepreneurial career in fitness, Carlos has organized more than 30 calisthenics community events, bringing together over 500 people, my people, and worked with brands such as Vector, Subway, Reebok, RYU, V8, among others. And you know what else he is? A proud Venezuelan. His mission is to be a living proof that being an immigrant is an asset and not a limitation, and that a balanced lifestyle with a good attitude creates happiness, and that success in fitness and life is all about continual growth. All right, my friends, are you ready? Please help me welcome Carlos Salas. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Stefan Dyer podcast. I got here the unbreakable, the unmistakable, the highly capable, Toronto sexiest man alive, the Jason Momoa of the Venezuelans, ladies and gentlemen. I got here Carlos Salas, a.k.a. Carlos, how are you, brother? Haven't heard that one. I'm I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm incredible. I'm very <laughs> happy to have you here. Um, very close friend, someone who I admire a lot. And the first question of this life-changing interview, my friends, is: Do you remember? Do you remember how we met? <sighs> I think. I think I came to your apartment. To record a vine that you yeah. need an extra person for. Yeah, that's true. That's you needed true. A, a Jason Momoa looking <laughs> like. <laughs> exactly. I think it was like 2013, 2014. Yeah, it must I used been. to live at uh, St. Patrick's Station, Dundas, oh, yeah. Dundas and University. And then we started doing vines. <laughs> and then I remember like that was around the time where you started doing lots of calisthenics and yeah. you were like pretty strong already. You didn't have the long hair. It's new. It's new. You were studying graphic design, or you done? You were done by that time. Uh, I was, I think, on my last year of okay. environmental design at OCAD. We were nice. neighbors, basically. 
Yeah, because Okai was like literally right behind my building. Yeah. And then I was like, fuck, this guy's a cool guy. Like, we need to have him <laughs> around more. And then it just spiraled into us being friends now for seven, eight years. Having uh, Buang, Custer, Z, like so many friends in common. We worked on several projects together. It's been really special. But I want to rewind. Rewind. Kako is from only his best friends can call him Kako. And his, par- <laughs> his parents and me and his brothers. So you were born in Venezuela. Yes. And, and I want to go back a little bit because your family is pretty special, man. I, I know you're both your parents, Daniel and Marisabel, are from Caracas. And before we continue with your parents, I, I've mentioned this here a couple times on the podcast, that your dad <laughs> had the most incredible quote. I think I think about your dad maybe like once a week. I love that. And he told me. At one of the continual growth I, events. I know what he told you. That success is being able to sleep at night in peace. Ain't that right, though? Yeah, man. It stuck with me <laughs> because I know that success means uh, like a lot of things to different people, and that's fine. But I think we could all agree. Because what's like, why do I want to have all the money in the world? Or have like a million Ferraris if I'm like super anxious and miserable and don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep at night, you know. And touching on that, your parents hmm. at times in Venezuela, they couldn't sleep well at night. <laughs> the country, I know because my wife is Venezuelan, my entire, like all my friends pretty much here, I'm surrounded by Venezuelans. We've adopted you. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like I guess cereal in the morning of Venezuelan comes out of this <laughs> They're everywhere, man. So your parents decided to leave Venezuela, yeah. come here to Toronto. Your dad is a doctor? Yeah. He's a general surgeon, and he specializes in breast cancer. Incredible. And you you guys had to, to leave because of the situation. Yeah. it It's remarkable because some people, and I'm not judging here, but some people might be like, listen, I got this going. I'm a surgeon. I'm killing it here because I'm a surgeon in my own country, Venezuela, Costa Rica, Honduras, whatever. I could go to Canada, but I'm not going to be able to be a surgeon. And I'll go there and clean floors or work at a coffee shop. And sometimes people aren't willing to take that step. And again, I'm not judging, but your parents did. You were how old when you came to Canada? 16? 16. 16. Yeah. And how was that? transfer how was that that moving did it hit your parents hard did it hit you hard your your yeah, little brothers it, it was tough for me I think it's it's a bit of a blur I was just kind of going through the motions um I don't think the intention was ever to like come here to struggle um you know it was always with the intention of like you know what can we do to have a better life and a better future for us me and my brothers um so you know uh, my mom and my dad did come here trying to like take the best out of everything yeah, and, and, and sort of keep trying to make it in their field of being a doctor and a lawyer in whatever way. But, um, you know, things it's, sometimes work out. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> yeah, no. And they've done, they've done it incredibly well. And the hardship is that sometimes as immigrants and a lot of people who were born here, maybe don't know this, but, it's nearly impossible in some industries to, I don't know what the word is, but revalidate yeah. your credentials from back home. Yeah. 
and use them here. It's like nearly impossible yeah. for a doctor to just come to Canada and, oh, chill, I'm a doctor. Okay, let me practice. Unless I think you're from like England or Australia, like specific countries that speak English and are from, from uh, like British colonies, I think. That you can come here and practice, yeah. and the states again. It's 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 a t- super tough uh, process and system, and I think you know after seven years of of going through hoops and 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 trying to make things happen, seven or nine years, I think it kind of like took my dad to try to revalidate things. Um, yeah, it 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 became very impossible to see that come to fruition. So. Do you, do you remember like any specific moments? of 10th grade or 11th grade when you came to Canada or 9th grade when you were like fuck I miss Venezuela man like I feel (laughs) like a fish out of water this isn't what was supposed to happen or were you like no this is cool like I I actually I'm proud of being Venezuelan but I'm grateful to be like that I can be here in a safe country I know like there's still robberies or whatever but it's not compared to Venezuela like kidnappings and all kinds of stuff and Latin, and Latin America in many ways. So what was it like for you? Were you homesick hard at the beginning or were you grateful? I don't think so. I think I've always had like a pretty positive attitude about um, the change and the transition. I'm not afraid of change really. And I think, you know, it was knowing that it's for the good and for the better. Um, I think just kind of like made me try to, Again, go through, go through the flow, adapt, and, and try to make the best out of it. I mean, I get homesick every single day, yeah. but, you know, I, I feel like I have, I'm, I'm where I need to be right now. Um, and I think, I don't know, I do remember specific times where I was like, wow, like I miss this so much, or I miss the people, or I miss, yeah. I miss the, the weather, or I miss uh, my family, and things like that. Um, but I do think that I took it like, you know, the best way possible, um, knowing that, you know, it was, it was all for the best. I think one of the things that benefits your case and and which is a blessing in many ways is that you came here with your core family. Yeah. The three brothers and your parents. Yeah. That's huge. You guys went straight to Oakville? Mississauga. Mississauga. Yeah. Yeah. We stayed with a friend for a couple months. Um, so that was, that was a little hectic, but it was a good learning experience. Um, yeah. And, and then, yeah, we moved into our own place. When did you start OCAN? 2012? 2000, no, 2011. 11. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember university. when I first met you, you told me that you'd had the opportunity to go for exchange, I think, to yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah. 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 And that's where you saw people doing calisthenics for the first time. Yeah. So what was that like and where did you see people practicing calisthenics? Yeah, so that was, I think, like a really big sort of uh, life-changing experience for me, being able to to do a semester abroad um, in in L.A. because it, it put me kind of like at my own, you know, like I was on my own for the first yeah. time ever, you know? Um, so... Um, I discovered calisthenics in Venice Beach, which if you don't know, it's kind of like the mecca of really? calisthenics. Yeah, Venice Beach, um, you know, has a very well-known sort of outdoor beach park in which, um, you know, a lot of people just congregate and, and do calisthenics there. And I immediately fell in love. There's nothing better than the sun, you know, good vibes, good music, people around and all that. Fitness. Kind of like, you know, yeah. 
I think it's serendipitous or uh, fitting <laughs> that you went to Venice Beach because Venezuela was named after Venezia, right? Maybe. Is, is that true? I, I, I don't I've... know the history that, that well, but it could, it, it and could have you... some sort of... I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I know for sure the Venezuelans who correct me all the time on my Instagram will listen to this and they'll let us know if it's true. Please, because... I, I need that history lesson. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then you you did that. You you saw wow, man. There's like a a big movement here of people who are m super fit, stronger in many ways than people who go to the gym. Because like some some people uh, some some people at the gym may be like jacked, but they can't do forty straight pushups. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you saw this concept, and you're like, hey, this is something I can. I, I can um, implement. Yeah. You weren't like a... I know you were a soccer guy before. You always loved playing soccer. But were you a big gym guy or no? No, I had tried to go to the gyms in different times of my life. And it would last for a month or two months that I would go to the gym. I would like try things out. I would like it and then drop. Um, and I think a lot of it was just kind of like the environment didn't seem fitting for me. Um, and then when I discovered calisthenics, I was like, wow, like this is, this is my type of stuff. You and know community. I, mean? I see a lot it's of community huge with that. And, and I mean, I learned because someone was like, Hey, you want to try this out? And that was kind of like the first thing that kind of like sparked it out. And I don't see, or I never felt that, um, kind of like sense of, yeah. of togetherness in a gym environment. Um, It felt always like people were just kind of like in their own yeah. little worlds with like their headphones, kind of like pumping iron or like whatever, right? And and I think um, this situation just kind of like flipped it up for me a little bit. I was like, oh, this is cool. So, and it's really cool because I think that when you feel comfortable in specific areas and you're passionate about it, especially if it's a hobby or fitness related, you tend to make friends for life when you're having a good time yeah and you you um did you meet Buanca z and and some of the guys through calisthenics if i think about like a core group of friends that i have right now most of them if not all of them i've met one way or another through calisthenics or fitness yeah so it's crazy yeah it's crazy and and me, me, me too. Like a, a lot of my best friends, like including including Juan, is comedy. Yeah. And and I think that you have to have something in common that you bond over. We always sure. say in our classes, in our comedy classes at Malpensando, we say that relationships move at the speed of vulnerability. And when you're doing stuff that you love, where you constantly fail and learn, you're being vulnerable. You share stuff. You open up. Then relationships advance yeah and then you came to canada you opened up calisthenics canada you found it you've hosted like tens of competitions you've competed yourself you've traveled trained with like top athletes of calisthenics all over the continent yeah and what i love the most <laughs> is not necessarily the accolades not necessarily that you've won a lot of competitions that you're like a high performance athlete but it's that you really Like, your leadership has spilled into other areas. And I saw your brothers, and I met your brothers. I know Luis and Daniel since, I, like, maybe a couple years after I met yeah. you. And they weren't necessarily, like, fitness guys. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you at the beginning, like, nobody's a fitness guy until you're a fitness guy, you know? 
And now they are super fit. Like that, uh, Luis is a fucking machine. It's crazy. Daniel is super fit too. And I'm like, dude, talk about a silent leader, you know, but leading <laughs> by example. I don't know because I don't live in your house or I don't go to your house on weekends when you when you get together with your family. But I'm willing to bet m my house <laughs> that that wouldn't have happened had had you not started your own fitness journey and and had they not seen the positive impact that it had in your life in yeah. terms of discipline leadership community authenticity so when was the first time that your brothers mentioned like hey yeah i want to go train with you or were you constantly inviting them i think it was a little bit of both um in the beginning i kind of like wanted them to get into it yeah and i realized that the less I sort of pushed them into wanting to do it, the more they would want to do it. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying about like really like leading by example, I think that, that kind of was a shift in me. I was always like, okay, like come or like <laughs> you want to join me or there's this event or whatever. Um, and sometimes they would come, but it wasn't until like they kind of maybe saw it for themselves or it felt fitting in their life to add something like fitness or yeah. calisthenics that they really took it upon themselves to be like, oh, I want to do this or I want to do this more. Or they kind of felt what it what it was. And maybe, you know, I think that that seeing some of the positive things that it has brought for me in terms of, yes, friendship, communities, um, just kind of like aesthetics um, yeah. and, and all the things that I've built or that I've tried to be um, building around that passion have kind of like pushed them in one way or another to, to yeah. kind of follow follow along a little bit. I think calisthenics is incredible because for the people who don't know and correct me if I'm wrong, but the beautiful thing about calisthenics is that you like you can be a rookie, have nothing and you can still do it yeah. because it's with your own weight. Yeah. So there's no like weight lifting per se. Yeah. Plus when you add the community aspect, it's like anybody can come and you feel super welcome. Yeah. I've seen in the meetups that you organize like at the park or whatever or at the gyms that you work with that there's people who are like sometimes like 70 or or 80 who come and do it because it's with your own weight and it's progressions which goes in perfectly <laughs> with our growth mindset. Even your parents started practicing, right? A little bit. I mean, sometimes a little bit more than than others, but but it's something that definitely it even at their level they're able to do yeah. one thing or another. So right? how can so, we explain calisthenics to someone who's never like to a 10-year-old? It's bodyweight exercises. Ah, okay, bodyweight. That's pretty much it. And it, it all stems from that, from bodyweight exercises to create resistance um, and, and build strength that way. Um, and it could start as simple and as easy as, you know, walking or running to more complicated things, like some of the, the crazy skills and tricks. That yeah, go to Kako's Instagram <laughs> and, uh, and to his website. You'll see an incredibly talented athlete. So talking about community, it's in some ways I see that you created your own family here. And as immigrants, we're forced to do it, all of us. Like, we, we have to create our own family, obviously, because some of us don't have our biological family, our blood family here. Even though you have your family here, they're in Mississauga and you're downtown Toronto. So even it could be a half an hour, you know they're there. But in some ways, we still have to pick our family 
to be able to cope and and feel like a part of a community to be feel like feel seen and heard and um i i wonder if you sometimes feel because i do that you have a different personality in english <laughs> like there's a carlito at carlito on instagram and then there's like a caco there's like a carlos salas there's a yeah. carlos and a carlito you know yeah yeah um because it happens to me too yeah I, I, I tell this to Mo all the time. I feel like sometimes like I'm kind of like in a movie and this goes back to like <laughs> when we, when you were talking about like when we first moved, it was like, I'm just taking it like I am just a character in this whole thing. Um, and sometimes that's kind of how I see it. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm two different people and <laughs> it's crazy. And wh where do you find that is the differences? For example, when I, when I hang out with my Canadian friends, <laughs> I'm so excited, especially with Z, Stir, Buanca, and my friends from UFT because they listen to rap and hip hop and like Canadian, like American music or like stuff that I know a lot of my Latino friends don't listen to. So I can, and I like, I can talk to them about the NFL, the NBA, uh, like baseball, and then. I switch up to Spanish, and then I'm like, no, salsa, merengue, Barcelona, Mexico, El Salvador, eh, mi familia. So where do you think that, that, that Carlito is present, that Carlito can't really survive? or do, Like, where does that Carlito not show up in Latino gatherings? Like, what, what part of Carlito is in English? I think that a lot of what I have learned in Canada kind of like stays within my mm -hmm. Carlito personality. Yeah, in a way. yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I feel like people who who know me for being Spanish kind of know an older version of yeah. me, like, like a previous version of me or like have an ideal of me that might not necessarily fit with what I'm now because it's kind of like a mix match. Um, but definitely, you know, when I'm, when I'm with my Latino friends, I, I turn up my Spanish to like <laughs> yeah. a different yeah. level. It's, it's interesting. It's funny. Um, I'm, I'm a lot louder and a lot more sort of like outgoing, I think with my Latino yeah. friends than I am with my Canadian friends. I'm kind of like more like quiet and chill, yeah. chilled back and, and, um, I don't know. I, I don't know why has, that kind of happens, but... Has Mo ever told you that, obviously, Mo sees, like, met Carlito, but she knows Carlito and Carlos because yeah. she's your partner, and Mo is great. Shout out to Mo. Shout out to Mo. Has she ever been like, oh, you do this thing in Spanish when you talk to your family? Totally. Like, what do you, what has she mentioned? It's just my tone, like, and, and it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. Um... She she notices that I'm I act differently with the two different groups of people. Like she hasn't pinpoint like one thing or like something that I do, but just in general, um, it's hilarious. Whenever I answer a phone call with my parents or like in Spanish with my Canadian friends, they're like, "Who's this guy? You sound completely different. <laughs> Who is this guy? Like." You just yeah, put a hit on someone? Like, what is this? Like, I don't know what kind of yeah. uh, tone I, I might be speaking in in Spanish, but I guess... Um, yeah, you know, I don't know what it is. But I totally relate with it because this happens to me. And, I, like, my parents are Peruvian. I was born in Costa Rica. I yeah. moved to El Salvador, Mexico, Montreal, and Toronto. 
all because of my dad's job. My dad's <laughs> a drug lord. <laughs> and I find, and I even say to my stand-up, that I adopt accents. For sure. I don't know what it is. My dad, my my mom says it's a lack of a personality, <laughs> but it's an identity crisis. And, totally. And I don't know if it's happened to you, but I hated it when I lived in El Salvador or Mexico or, or Costa Rica, whatever. And I would have a specific accent because my parents are Peruvian or whatever. And they'd be like, what does that mean? Or they'd be like, ah, he says it in a different way. Ah, so First couple of times is cool, you know. Yeah, I speak different, but man, if you're interrupted fucking sixty times every oh, yeah. conversation, you're like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm just gonna adopt their words so that I can have a fucking effective conversation, you know. <laughs> so I end, I, like, I end up having, I have a Salvadoran accent, I have a Costa Rican I accent, bet. I have a Peruvian accent, I have a Mexican accent, I have a Venezuelan, Venezuelan accent. accent, yeah. And I maybe it's just because I'm really good with with words and accents that I can. Like, some people will say my accents are horrible. The ones that, I like, my Mexican accent may be horrible. <laughs> we'll have to try those. I'm, I'm yeah. curious. So, it's obviously cool because you don't get interrupted anymore. And, and you can kind of blend in. But it's horrible because you're, you're never from that place. Yeah. So, yeah, Carlos. Okay, you're Canadian. Whatever, man. Because your name is Carlos Salas and you were born in Venezuela. So, a lot of people, even if they don't say it, like... Even if they don't say it to me, I don't feel 100% Canadian. Right. And to some people, I'm not Canadian because I wasn't born here. And when I go to Costa Rica, they're like, oh, el gringo, el gringo, like right. the Canadian guy or whatever. Because I don't even say the jokes, the words that are like in right now. <laughs> the slang. I, like I have a, like an accent that maybe is Costa Rican, but not really. I sometimes mispronounce places or... Or, like, when I go to Peru, clearly I'm not Peruvian, even though my blood is Peruvian, I guess, because m my whole family is Peruvian. Mexico, clearly not. Mexican, El Salvador, like, obviously not. It's a full-on identity crisis. Yeah. And it's horrible because as social animals, as human beings, we want to belong, you know? <laughs> yeah. We want to be seen and heard and belong. So, I know you recently went to Venezuela over the last couple of years, And did you feel like, fuck, man, like I'm proud of my heritage, but I'm, I want to go to Toronto, you know, like, I, like Toronto is home in some ways. Did you feel out of place um, in some, in some area? Obviously, I know you're grateful that you spend time with your grandma and family, but when I go, I'm like, yeah, I, I know I can feel that I'm not from here anymore. I, I mean, it was my first time going after 12 years. No way. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think I, I soaked everything in just kind of as it came and I never felt out of place, to be honest with mm -hmm. you, at least there. All I saw was family who, you know, they just know me for who I am. Um, and I didn't get that feeling of like, I didn't belong here. Um, but it is funny because the opposite does happen here you know mm -hmm. i don't necessarily sound or look or act like i'm latino or the stereotypical latino yeah. right um and so people immediately when they meet me even like when i when i don't say my name they think i'm canadian and it's kind of like maybe not i'm not i'm not fully what, but what do you how do you introduce yourself i'm carlos or carlito andrew is, is typically my name. <laughs> Andrew. 
Hi, my name is Carlos Salas. You can call me Andrew. Uh, yeah, that's typically what I do. Um, yeah, no, I say Carlos, but um, but I have this kind of like running joke with uh, with my friends that I could very well be an Andrew. Yeah, you, and, you and, look like an Andrew. And, and no one would be able to say otherwise. Yeah, like, you could you know. be like uh, Andrew, second, third generation, Italian, Portuguese, yeah, totally. Canadian. You look like a definite, like, you I'm look like Kingston, a hockey guy. A yeah, totally hockey guy. I, if, with if the I hat? Did, if I if I had my hair down, I would have a totally hockey guy. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent, you could be a, a hockey guy. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I noticed you got a octopus tattoo recently. Yeah, yeah. And I saw it on Instagram. <laughs> Looks pretty pretty cool. Yeah. What does it mean? Um, well, I mean, I think that's kind of like my spirit animal in a way. I, um, you know, all through my life, I feel like I've been just like a very adaptable yeah. person all around situations friends um problems issues like i'm a problem solver in that sense and i find that it all kind of like blends in together with what um you know that that animal represents in a way um so it's just kind of like a constant reminder of of, of what i am who i am and just kind of like my attitude in general about life of your resilience yeah yeah i think we're forced to be resilient as as immigrants man bro crazy yeah did you when you when you went back to venezuela was your family or your friends or your cousins or someone like man i saw you on instagram <laughs> like you're like an athlete <laughs> like can you can you climb that wall yeah, yeah yeah like what did they say yeah it's 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 pretty funny because like i i love doing it so for me it's just kind of like Oh, you want a show? Cool, I'll give you a show, right? Um, so it's it's really cool just kind of like seeing my little cousins get amused by like yeah. me doing handstands and stuff. So like I take it, I, I, I really love it. I, I it's, it's fun that, you know, we do have those kind of tools that still allow us to be in touch with yeah. our family because, you know, I think we were talking about this before, like every Venezuelan family is a broken family. Oh, I think, yeah. you know, um, having cousins all across the world and like not knowing you know what they like what they don't like who they are who they don't like you know what i mean like it's it's super crazy and it just kind of like makes me think like wow like it it's the the, the family unit has been so broken up yeah because of the situation um that i'm super grateful that we have those tools that we can you know even if that's what they perceive of me and they see of me, they can at least yeah. kind of like keep that connection in one way or another. So um, that type of stuff, you know, it just kind of makes me more um, appreciative in a way. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's kind of like, hey, I just ate. I cannot do a handstand. <laughs> I did one two seconds ago. <laughs> talking about the talking about relatives, I want to get your opinion because I, I'm also part of a quote-unquote broken family but the difference between your broken family and my broken family is that we decided to leave mm. venezuelans have been forced to leave yeah and man i tip my hat off to to all the venezuelans because you guys had a great there 30 years ago man it was like booming 40 years ago it was like the the place to be in south america and latin america it's incredible how things can can change, and obviously I I see it with my wife, and my parents my my wife's parents are still in Venezuela, 
I read about Venezuela. I'm surrounded by Venezuela. <laughs> so, I, so I, even though I've never been there, I kind of understand the situation in many ways and, and um, total respect because I'd be willing to bet that, man, like 80 or 90% of Venezuelans who are not in Venezuela send money back to Venezuela. Like every month. Yeah. And and it's like, it's hard because as immigrants, you think, okay, 100% of my money that I earn in Canada, I can invest it on myself or to live here. But you don't because 10% or 20% goes to your relatives in Venezuela, you know? And and at the end if of the... If you still have relatives in Venezuela. If you still have relatives <laughs> in Venezuela, yeah which, yeah. is Which is even sadder in some ways. Big respect. And at the same time, a lot of Venezuelans, because it happened to me... We're here in Canada trying to do really well as immigrants, but often our minds are in Venezuela, in Costa Rica. Yeah. So it's hard to be present and it's hard to be happy when you know your loved ones are eating shit back home, yeah. you know, or are having a hard time in other countries because they've had to, to start again. While my family is in like six different countries... Like, uh, fortunately, they're all doing very well because we migrated years and years ago. But I never know how to navigate when I see my, like, my cousins from Peru or my aunts from Peru because my, my parents left Peru when it was the early 80s. So I grew up in Costa Rica. I was born there. And every time I go back, I get a feeling of nostalgia where I'm like, fuck, I was supposed to be here, you know? I was supposed to grow up with my grandparents. Uh, and I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I've had, don't get me wrong, of moving around and my education, living in Canada. But I I wish I had a better relationship with my first cousins who right. are in Peru. And I have three cous first cousins in, in, in Germany. And I went to see them 20 years ago, spent two months with them. Even went to, to elementary school with them for two months in the summer. <laughs> Cool. And I'm like, whenever I see them or I talk to them, it's like, hey, how are you? I love you. Blah, blah. But it's like, I never see you, you know? Like, should I love you more? Should I feel more guilty that I don't do a more consistent effort? So how do you navigate that when you see your family? Do you get nostalgia or are you just... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, we definitely miss out on a lot of things. Um these past couple of years I've made kind of like a pact with myself to like make more phone calls to like mm -hmm. all my cousins and all my family. I call my grandma like every Thursday. Um, and when I don't, she yells at me. She knows. Now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of me kind of, again, like when, when I, when, when we first came in, I said, this is my life now and this is what I have to take. And this is what I have to, like, I can't leave yeah. my brain there because, it, it doesn't serve anyone. Um, but as I've grown up more here and I've matured and, you know, um, I feel like now I have kind of more mental bandwidth to, like, expand on, on, on reaching out and, and doing all those things. So um, it's, it, it's, it's not easy to navigate. I mean, you can, yeah, you can choose to ignore it fully or you can choose to only have it around when... Um, when you want to and I, I try to do that, you know, try and try and reach out and have it sort of yeah. always, always connected somewhat one way it or another. It definitely helps because I find that sometimes when you are distant, you're closer. Yeah. 
Because sometimes you're very close living in the same house. You all want to fucking kill each other, you know? <laughs> so in some ways, it's, it's, it's really good. Now that I'm more comfortable with who I am and I've accepted the fact that this is home. Because I was always like, you know what? Yeah, Toronto, Canada, whatever. I'm not from here. I'm just going to stay a couple years here. I'll go back. <laughs> it's been 17 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was always by myself here because I came here for boarding school and high school, right. did university, then worked, and, and I was always like, maybe, well, maybe I'll go back, I'll go back, I'll go back. When I finish high school, I'll go back. When I finish university, I'll go back. When I get a job, uh, like, uh, no, I'll get my citizenship, I'll go back. And now I'm still <laughs> here, you know. It finally felt like home when I got married with my wife and 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 been with Liam, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um I find that when you come to terms with the facts and you stop telling yourself stories, you're able to really give back and connect in a more healthy way because I always felt guilty in some ways of not being there. So when I would talk to my my grandfather, my uncles, I'd be like yeah, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to visit you, nah, 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 nah. and like kind of sometimes making empty promises of of trying to fulfill for the role that I would have had yeah. had I stayed. Yeah, but you would have been a completely different person 100%. there, right? And so you never know if you even ha would have that kind of perspective to even think like, yeah. oh, yeah. what if I left? You know what I mean? Um, You could potentially be a completely different person. So I think... Um, you know, I definitely get that guilty feeling sometimes of like, wow, we have it so good here. Yeah. We're complaining. We have it so mm -hmm. good here. And there's, there's all this like negativity around like, um, you know, the way people act or the way people treat yeah. each other or the way, uh, people say things or the way or what people have or what they don't have. It's like, wow, like we have it so well here compared to some yeah. of the things there and not saying that we had it bad there like i'm lucky that you know i come from a, a, a good family and you know i had an, an incredible childhood and and nothing ever like i never needed anything but that's not the reality for you know 90 of the people in venezuela or 90 yeah. of the people who like are still there it's like it's tough man and yeah. and I definitely do get that guilt um, of like, wow, if I know, if, if I was there and I know what I know now, like I could be making such an incredible impact or I could be doing so many things to kind of move things forward in a way. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things that I kind of work for and that drive yeah. me a little bit is, is knowing that at some point there's like... I'm going to be tapped in to, to do what I need to do. There. Do you want to ever go, do you ever want to go back to yes, Venezuela yes, to live? Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. What do you miss the most about your, you living there? Like your first 16 years of life living there. Is it the food? Is it, the, I know the family gatherings, obviously. Yeah. I think it's the, the warmth of, of, of people. You know what I mean? There's, there's kind of like a different feeling of like, you know, who, who's your people. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I miss that. And I mean, I get, I get bits and pieces of that here when I'm with my family or when I'm with my friends. Um, but there is certain attitude, charisma, um, Say. warmth from, you know, just being there, sense of freedom in a way, just kind of like that, that it's, it's tough 
to to kind of pinpoint the actual feeling. Yeah. Um, but I, I I miss that. I think you know um, I still have lots of things to do here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know I it's 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 in the horizon and it's there. Yeah. It kind of drives me a little bit and it'll and always be there. I think. Another thing that I battle with from us being on the other side and not being it where we not living where we were born is that they think and i'm not complaining in any way i'm very <laughs> grateful i know i'm privileged i sound like a piece of shit because i'm complaining about living in canada one of the best countries in the world but i'll say this about that is that people back home assume that because we live in canada we're fucking millionaires we're balling bro And when you add Instagram, which <laughs> everyone really posts the highlight reel, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I'm trying to be, like, more authentic on Instagram. But I, I remember when my grandfather would call. He'd be like, hey, how are you? And I'd be like, no, like, I'm doing really good. He, he would always want to listen to really good news about me working at the bank. So, like, the thing that would make him the happiest is that I would be promoted or getting a raise. And he would always ask every Sunday, call me at 7 a.m. And like, man, after like some time, I like, I, I promoted myself in the call so many times. <laughs> I was like the CEO of Scotiabank, you know? So like, and it's, and I'm joking because like, it's true, but I didn't have it that bad because I, I studied here and whatever. I was 25. I'm, it's not expected that much, but when you are 30 or 40 and you come here to restart again, And you built it, you study back home five, ten years, you have your master's, you come here and you're fucking nobody. Man, that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. And I know a lot of my friends, because I talk it in my I talk about it in my stand-up, and a lot of people, we all do it. Your grandma calls, hey, did you find a job? You're like, Yeah, I'm a <laughs> director at the bank. I get a hundred thousand dollars plus benefits, car, house, yeah, benefits, yeah, yeah. options, everything. Meanwhile, you're just cleaning floors in a building, you know, because <laughs> it's like devastating to not be able to like report good news to to your family back home. You know, yeah. it's it's hard. Well, I I think too, like in Latin America, we kind of have this, or or we we grow up um, with this idea that you know. North America is superior. The you know American I mean? dream. Like, the American dream in a way. And like, you know, what you see in the movies, what it is and all that kind of stuff. And like, you get here and you realize that we're all just people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, like, so that's kind of like interesting because that, that idea still kind of, at least in me, kind of always stays in my mind. It's like, okay. We're in a superior country. We got to act, be, perform, yeah. and 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 all of like and just overall be superior somehow. It's exhausting. It's, like, it's tough, man. Is is is? I mean, it it helps with achieving things, but I don't know if it helps with like really living. Definitely, and I think it doesn't help to to enjoying the day-to-day -day yeah. and being present and being mindful because I don't know if it's just growing in Latin America, but if you're not a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer, you're a fucking loser <laughs> or a businessman or if you don't study like finance or whatever. And again, I'm not complaining. I'm very <laughs> grateful that I got an education and that 
had I not worked for seven years at Scotiabank, I would not be as successful in what I do today because I learned a lot of skills and, I, and I'm very grateful. I'll use them forever. But what I'm trying to say is that you are attached to specific events sometimes to be happy. Mm. Oh, when I get married, yeah. when I get a job, when I become a director, when I become a VP, when I have a kid, you get that kid. Now you need to have two fucking kids. Yeah. And like in some ways, like society or people dictate that or, or, or like say it and we let it fuck with us. Like yeah. we let it affect us. And that translates not just like in our lives, but to Instagram as well. Cause we <laughs> want to like project that I'm like the fucking best in this and that. And I have a Ferrari, blah, blah, blah. And, like, everyone's trying to do this so consciously and intentionally over the last year or so. I've tried to just be me. I love it. More authentic. I changed. I don't know if uh, some of you have noticed, but I used to just have on my profile a comedian, like, Malpensando. And, uh, like, at one point back in 2017 when I, when Juan and I won the Best Latin Comedian so <laughs> Of Canada, like that award, and it's fine because there's stages. Like I don't regret whatever, but now I'm like, dude, I, I'm more than a comedian, yeah. you know. And it's exhausting to just be like having to to play that part all the time. Oh, a comedian, make me laugh. Like always, be happy. Uh, only do things of comedy. Only post pictures on stage. Only post comedy sketches. And to you, it probably applies the same. Only do tricks. Only like six pack. Only at the gym. Only like. This is how you not get um like you, this is how you not get injured. This this uh, exercises. Yeah. Now my profile says I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I love productivity and mindfulness, well being. Uh, the Stefan Dyer podcast. Uh, Malpensando founder and just things that I am loving doing. Right. And it's less exhausting. How have you navigated this Instagram world? Because I know we've talked about it a lot. And your Instagram has also evolved if we compare it to five years ago. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I totally feel you. It's 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 that. Like, people will, will hold you for what you are in a post or in a caption. And all of a sudden, you become a whole thing based on just that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Um, and having to kind of like play that part always is, is exhausting. But I think too, um, we put that pressure on ourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not blaming a hundred percent the people I'm blaming ourselves for letting that kind of dictate how we act and how we do things. Um, because we, we see the benefits of it in a way we're like, Oh, okay. Like when I do this and this and that, maybe this produces more likes, this more, more likes, more clients, more followers, more, followers um, more praise, more opportunities, more interviews, more of this, more of that. When in reality, it's like that needs to be as fluid as 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 your regular life, in which you go through ups and downs, and you kind of you know make things work, make things not. But also, I and this is something that I'm trying to apply now more is that that idea that like you don't need it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's there. Yes, it's a tool, but just use it as a tool. I think that you know, since 
Instagram started to to switch from being a social media to being an advertising platform when they switched to business and they yeah. started adding all these insights and ways of checking. Yes, that is good for businesses as a tool, but for um, people who just want to be in the platform, for people who want to continue just being a social media, um, it, it kind of takes away the, the, the essence of it, right? And so... Yeah. Um, it's how you use it. It's it's how you use it, but it's also like you know, um, it it it's really hard to compete with the people who created for whatever intention they are creating it. You know what I mean? It 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 evolves so fast, and yeah, it man. requires you to evolve with it, or feel like you're falling behind all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so. I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram Same. right now. Have you ever deleted it? Yes. I delete it every night before I go to bed. No fucking this way. This is my new trick. This is my new trick. Shout out to my coach, Stir, from Continual Growth. Yes. This is my new trick, and it has served me really well because sometimes I go there, and I fucking hate every second of it. Anxiety creeps in. Yeah. Imposter syndrome creeps in. Comparison creeps in. And I'm like get like yeah. you know what i mean it's like oh i have to pose because i have to like and i have this cycle yeah. in my head so um what i've been doing now is before bed i delete it and that means that you know when i wake up i have to choose to download it open it log into my account and all of that to actually use it as opposed to just waking it. up and opening it and like oh let's see what's new like yeah no so and that has served me really, really well because sometimes I don't open it all throughout the day until the moment where I need it, where I need to check a message, where I need to, to post, post, where I need to like reach someone, where I need to go on a live or whatever, right? Intentionality. And very, very uh, good for that, for the intentionality. So gold because I haven't deleted it, but I've done something very similar. Which is, I hid it in a folder. That doesn't work. <laughs> no, I know. It works for me, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I've done is, I deleted Facebook from my phone. Yeah. Twitter, Snapchat, which I didn't really even use anymore. Yeah, I don't use those either. But... And a bunch of apps, LinkedIn, which, which I'm very active on. And now, whenever I want to go on these platforms, I do it from the computer. Exactly. And I just go in and out, like very, very... um intentional yeah so it instead of me going in like 20 times a day i go in once or three times and get done all the things that i needed to get done yeah and sometimes i'm very intentional about it i literally go on link on on instagram just to go on my favorite uh account which is bleacher report uh, uh, of yeah. sports and in and out or just to reply messages or post that's so and it, and now Shout out to Coach Blanca. <laughs> I used to have, you know, screen time, how much you're on your phone. Yeah, I, I, man. I used to have seven hours a day on my Gee. phone. Now, how much? Guess. Three, no, four hours and 21 minutes. No, I'm two hours, 45. No way. A wow. Day. Yeah, man. Give me that. <laughs> Average, uh, like over the last two months, I've fluctuated between two hours, 14 minutes. That's huge. And three hours, 35 minutes. That's huge. Around there. Another hack is that 
having WhatsApp on the computer. Yeah. So technically, you're also doing stuff, but you can mute it and you type faster, so you're not on your phone as much. And um, man, the eighth wonder of the world: deleting your apps. And yeah. and I should do it with Instagram, but sometimes I want to do the stories quicker. Yeah. Yes, I can post them after either way. Um, by the way, this is just a bullshit excuse. I should probably <laughs> delete it. Try 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 deleting it at night and and see and see how that how that works for you. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I have to open it up. Like on Mondays, I have to post as soon as I wake up. So typically on Sundays, I'll leave it, and because I need to post. But like sometimes I don't. I yeah. don't touch it until 4 and you PM. feel so much better. Light, bro. You feel light. Has Mo <laughs> commented on on your your mood or have you seen a, a reduction in your anxiety? Yeah, I definitely have seen a big um, just like benefit into like just not having it. Um, and one of the things that I'm working on is like decreasing my time there and decreasing how much I feel like I have to depend on it. Um, you know, really try and use it like a tool as opposed to something that is there for me to like check whenever I'm bored because I've hidden it in, in folders and yeah. my finger just, it has a brain on it. It's yeah. Gone, bro. Yeah. It's fucked. I used to have it on the main screen and yeah. my, I would open my phone and my, my finger, my thumb would just yeah. go to the Instagram. I didn't even want to go on Instagram right? and it just went on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hit it on the folder and I close, I, I close the, like I close it. Yeah. And then I really forget on which folder it is because it's not really like visible. You have to like swipe right in the, swipe left within the folder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But oh, I know. probably I should, I should delete it. Um, and you know what the best part of it is, is that, I don't think we are, we don't understand the magnitude of social media yet. I don't think even people, there's not enough research on it. I don't even think the people who de develop these tools no. understand how to control them as much because yeah. it's fucking evolved. And what's so toxic is comparing yourself. And I can't control it. it and Instagram just fucks with my mind. So genius, I think. One of the best things that you've done over the last years, over the last year, is that you've done something that Diego did and that a couple of my friends did. Some of us entrepreneurs don't want to take another full-time job or a part-time job because it's like, oh, I'm like betraying the entrepreneur lifestyle or whatever. And it sucks. But you studied graphic design and you've been able to monetize your skills again right now by working with a firm that required those those uh, skills. And it's genius because as an entrepreneur, I, I have also considered it. Like at the beginning, I was still doing consulting and finances and it's glorious because you get some side money. And you don't have to worry about making ends meet and you can enjoy the process more. So how, how was that for you and, and what was in your mind through, through the decision-making process? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, went to, I went to school for environmental design and that taught me a lot about graphic design. Okay, okay. That's what I worked on like as soon as I left school. And 
Design in general has always been present in my life. I think like, you know, I have that kind of like problem solving and kind of creative mind to, to make things work. Um, and as I'm going through my journey as an entrepreneur, you know, I've had a lot of roadblocks, a lot of yeah. things kind of put in the way that I've, I've dealt with, I've jumped through, I've, you know, worked around um resilience man. and yeah. yeah i mean i i i think i have a pretty pretty clear vision of where i want to go um but all these things have always felt like they really were there to kind of like shoot me down you know what i mean like you're done that's it you know yeah um and I've, I've always tried to like, you know, take a step back and be like, okay, what can I do to kind of like prepare myself for this next roadblock? Because yeah. I know that for what I want to create in my sort of entrepreneurial journey with Calisthenics Canada, with Train Harder, um, there, there's, there's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be things that are going to try to stop me. And I, the last kind of like, you know, really big hit that I had, I was like, Okay, what can I do to make sure that I'm well prepared for when this next thing comes and continue doing what I want to do in the fitness industry and with calisthenics? Yeah. And I decided that the best thing was to leverage some of the skills that I already have 100%. with my design. And so it, it, it has never been an easy decision. And, you know, I think I don't even speak about it. I don't even like, I don't think many people even know that, um, that, you know, I even have those skills and those are things that I do and I leverage yeah. to make sure that not only um, I continue to get an income from my projects and from my passion projects, but um, but that I also have something that I can continue on growing and that I already know and have such it's solid skills. On. It's gold, man. Yeah. Like we all have to do that. I used to think that when I quit the bank, comedy would make me happy and, oh, like, fuck the corporate life, fuck the nine to five, like, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And, yeah, fine. But when you're going to bed not in peace, <laughs> like your dad says, yeah, and I'm like, how the fuck am I going to pay the bills? Yeah. Like, now, currently... Liam is going to go to daycare in a month, and that's like $2,000 a month. Plus, we got to get a car. We got to buy a car or lease a car because we need to drive him to the daycare. Do you think I'm right now saying like, oh, my, fuck my entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm going to do anything it yeah, takes. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know, but in in June of 2017, right, right after I quit, we went to... Like in my first tour, as soon as I quit, yeah, I went yeah. to Costa Rica and I met a friend who was in wealth management and he had like a wealth management firm and I worked in wealth management for four years in uh, Scotia. So he was like, dude, I need you to do consulting for me. Like it's a shame, like it's a waste for you to have all these this knowledge and not use it anymore. Like you're just throwing it in the garbage. He's like, tell you what. Start consulting for me. We have like a national, not national, but like the company conference coming up in June. And they flew me to Costa Rica to well, to their wealth management firm. I presented. We did some work. And I was like, perfect, man. Like I'll do whatever it takes yeah. 
first of all, to not deplete my savings, yeah. to sleep well. Man, I learned so much, so many skills from them in terms of sales, in terms of company structure, in terms of relationship skills that now I use every day. Yeah. I think, too, one thing about that and kind of like you brought it up is like working on your passion is good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do Spending time in your passion is good. But when everything depends on that, it, it, it becomes the opposite. Yeah. And you, and you start hating it for yeah. one reason or another. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. In my case, yes, I love fitness and I love calisthenics, but that has always been kind of like, 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 like a, a pleasure or like a, an escape or like mm. something that I did because I wanted to kind of add it on top of my things. But like when you start putting all your eggs in that oh, basket, 100%. it becomes one of those things where it's like, do I even like this anymore? Now like you have to. Now you have to. You don't want to exactly. do it. You have to. Do now it. I have to make sure that, you know, I look well, that I perform well, that nothing hurts, that I don't get injured. Yeah. And, and all of that affects what you really, really love, or in my case, what I really, really love, which is training calisthenics. I don't need to be training for seven hours a day, but yeah. when your livelihood now depends on that, then you feel like you have yeah. to put all of that. So you start kind of holding a contempt, like this is, this is the only option. And so for me, you know, kind of going back to the workforce, quote unquote, is has been one of those things where it's like, okay, I have to swallow my pride. I have to swallow my ego. Forget about this idea in my head that I have about like, ooh, an entrepreneur just fucking goes all in. Yeah. That <laughs> is bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. The most bullshit. And, and it's crazy because like, yes, you can, it's good to have mentors. It's good to have yeah. motivation. It's good to have, you know, people that you look up to that kind of like are leaders in your field and do incredible things and are like, you know, the, the, the ice cream dogs, you yeah. know what I mean? Like they just fucking know everything. You're, you're Grant Cardone's, you're, you're like, yeah. you know, you're leaders in the industry that you can look up to. But we, we, we always look up to those people in a way to see like, okay, that's where we want to go. But we fail to realize that, you know, we need to learn from someone who's one step ahead of us and not someone who's a hundred step of us. Like my friend Julio Finanzas, Venezuelan yeah. guy, great podcast. He says that you can't compare your chapter five exactly to Grant Cardone's chapter ninety eight exactly, and it's fucked because everything is a comparison nowadays, yeah. especially on Instagram. That's why I try to limit it, and 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 people think that the entrepreneur life is glam. <laughs> I don't have a boss. No. I like I have my own time, no. you know, and it's and it's cool. But it's a huge difference. I was talking to Diego about this today. When you're like, I love comedy. So I'm going to do it full time. What could go wrong? Everything can go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fine. Like You have to go all in to learn a lot about yourself. But it's, it's okay to adjust along the way. Yeah. And the other thing is that what happened to me, and I know it happened to you, is that when it's a hobby, you kind of do that to escape your nine to five. Yeah. And it's beautiful because you're just having a great time. Uh, you're doing calisthenics, you're doing this, you're doing comedy, and then you do it full time. And what happens? You have to make money to pay the bills. 
And what ends up happening to a bunch of the people that I that I know is that now the bulk of your time is admin stuff. <laughs> is, is admin, like the website, charging, invoicing, selling, uh, like putting the workshops, teaching in my case. And then you're like, fuck, man, like... I haven't worked on my comedy for yeah. six months. I didn't sign up for this. It's like you have to wear so many different yeah. hats that, you know, you, you, you forget about the very thing that kind of put you in that spot yeah. in itself. That right? got you there. And so um, I, I, I think, you know, that's that's kind of like a problem that is happening. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm, I'm the only... And I'm, not, I'm not victimizing myself. Yeah, but like, but we, we all kind of fall... A little bit of victim of that idea of like how glamorous the entrepreneur life 100%. is, how fast you can reach somewhere, how viral can you get, how much money you can make, how much free time you can have. When all of it is one circumstantial, but two, it it it's it's it 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 kind of builds off. There's no way. To, yeah. There's no shortcuts to this. There's no there's shortcuts. No like you know. I'm I'm now in a spot where I'm like I'm not looking. For like, you know, what's what's the next success or the yeah. next big thing is more like, okay, what do I have in front of me right now? What do I need to do about it? And how can we just kind of like keep putting break and break and break and break and break as opposed to like all of a sudden think that, you know, I can press one button and a house is going yeah. to be built. Yeah, and, and two things happened to me. At first, I think it happened to, the first year that I quit my job, the bank, I was like, fucking going to netflix comedy central now like this is gonna happen <laughs> and then you realize it's not happening today you know like it's a whole process yeah yeah and the other thing that ha that's happened to me i don't know if this happens to all entrepreneurs but since the stress or the you have to put money on the table to pay the bills from your skill set comedy fitness now you feel guilty about having fun about just bro. taking vacation bro. because because you're like i could be using this vacation time to make money and i'm not even making enough money to even break even you know <laughs> to even be on this vacation <laughs> yeah, yeah to even be on this vacation <laughs> so you're like fuck it's it's not glam and then you start and then in, in your case we talked to, in my case too i'm like man i was writing more and being more creative when i was at the bank than what i am now that's and maybe you like before you quit were there times and before you did this full time were there times now when you're like fuck i was like a better athlete quote unquote five years ago yeah than today or yeah totally totally and and it's funny like that last point like it's so so true it's like mo actually like makes me go on vacation or like makes me take time off you know what i mean it's like that's and and that's i mean it's 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 a blessing and a curse in a yeah, way because right. all of a sudden you you your brain is always on yeah okay always. what do i need to do to make sure that this dream continues building whereas you know there's no there's no business hours <laughs> you yeah know? um so I work more now than I used to work at the bank. 100%. 100%. And, is... and I'm not complaining, but it's it's exhausting at times. Yeah. Luckily, we both love it enough to continue doing it. But I think it's stupid of us and people to just be like, I'm just doing this. 
because you're not going to enjoy the ride, man. Like, if you're just doing this, but you're miserable the whole fucking time, you're grumpy around your partner, you can't even enjoy your vacations, you're feeling guilty, like, then why are we doing it? And sometimes it feels like it's more of a hamster wheel than the, my nine to five, you know? Because at least after I left the bank, I was kind of on vacation. Like, towards the end, I stressed all day, all night. <laughs> but in my first five years, I was like... I loved it because I left the office and, and I was on vacation. You left everything behind. Yeah. You yeah. left the office and you could do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. You didn't feel like you were wasting time. You didn't feel guilt. You didn't feel like, you know, you need to be making money right now, right now. Um, you didn't feel like you need to be helping people right here, right yeah, now. Man. You get an email at, you know, 11 p.m. and you are going to respond at 11 p.m. Yeah. And because you feel like that's what you need to do. And so I think setting boundaries is something that like, you Huge. know, as, as an entrepreneur, we need to work on a little bit more. Um, I, I, I mean, I see how you work. I, I think, you know, how I work and, and, you know, yeah, I, having these type of conversations definitely help in kind of getting that perspective a little bit. I've started to understand and by reading the um, four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, yeah. mostly that we're not that important. <laughs> and the world is not going to fall and explode if I don't reply an email like five minutes after I get it. So now I've started doing the th this thing where I only check my email at 12 and 4 p.m. mostly twice a day or sometimes I don't even check my email. I'm like, it's three o'clock. I haven't checked my email. I have a bunch, but it's even better Yeah. because now I reply all of them together as opposed to going in like 13 times. Like hitting refresh as if like the world is waiting to you know I'm not it's that kind important. Of like an Instagram thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's it's the same, right? So I I think being intentional is is important and kind of knowing knowing that things are there for a purpose. Yeah, and that purpose, like you know, if it's a tool, it's a tool. If it's a resource, it's a resource, and and kind of using it for that intention. Dude, a hundred percent. I think that if we were to meet with a bunch of entrepreneurs, like many of them, we would all have th like the same problems. <laughs> and that's why I'm like making other things now to make money, that not just through Malpensando, not just through comedy and public speaking. Like I taught a, a, a productivity course, I taught a goal setting course, like I'll MC things here and there, anything, you yeah. know, anything that'll help me free up time for what matters right and it's not about making more and less time when i talk about productivity it's just freeing up time for what matters also just man enjoying the day like gavin baines in episode four said you want to you want to be fucking present play with a three-year-old <laughs> play with a one-year-old you have to be there a hundred percent there yeah so the 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 tip to you you want to do better have a kid no <laughs> Have a kid, man. <laughs> We're going to go with the legendary champagne question to end this life-changing interview, man. And we do this question for... I do this question to everyone. And it goes like this. If we were to meet a year from now with a bottle of champagne, what are we celebrating in Carlito's life? What are we celebrating? 2022. 2022. January 24th. 24th? 23rd. 23rd. Because right yeah. now is the Conor McGregor fight. Janu January 23rd. We will be celebrating 
That's a tough one, man. What do you My want? My second to... appearance at the at the Stefan Dyer podcast. podcast. <laughs> the okay. one and only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You'll be here, man. But something in your personal life with your dad, with your mom. Shout out to them. Shout out to yeah, Mo. Shout out, to, shout out to your fitness journey to continual growth. It could be anything, man. Like, what What do you... Maybe a trip, maybe... Yeah, no, I, I definitely have lots of, of goals and, and, and aspirations and things that I'm working towards. Um, I think I'm, I'm doing... You know, I'm, I'm trying to take pretty big steps with Calisthenics Canada, which is the Calisthenics Federation of Canada that I um, sort of spearhead a little bit. And... And train harder. <laughs> and train harder. So... Represent. Yes. Oh, my We're God. Representing. Um, What's the website? The website is trainharder, H-R-D-R, H-R-D-R, dot com. Man, incredible. Um, so, yeah, we'd be celebrating that those things are going well, that they're alive, that we have good health, that yeah. COVID is off the table and that we're able to, you know, be with each other, see each other, hug each other anytime. I love it. That's my champagne celebration. Wealth, wealth and health. Yes. I love it, my friend. All right, Carlito, absolute pleasure having you here, man. You're a great friend, almost eight years of friendship. I admire you. Incredible steps for your growth. Uh, I'm really proud that we've grown together and we continue doing great things. Shout out to the Continual Growth community. Shout out. To our coaches, Blanca and Stir. And a big hug to Z and everyone. All right, my friends, this is Carlito and Stefan Dyer on the Stefan Dyer Podcast. Arrivederci, my people! Arrivederci, my people! Gracias por escuchar el Stefan Dyer Podcast. Arrivederci, my people!